0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Amen. Well, we're in a, we're in a series right now called Note to Self. And what we're doing is this series is really about reminding us of stuff that's easy to forget. And last year, there was a few times that that Sarah would need my help with picking up the kids from time to time. She had something going on. Maybe she had another appointment. And so she'd send me a text or she'd call me up and say, hey, I need you to pick up the kids today. And in that moment, I would make a note to self. I would set an alarm on my phone that told me when to go pick them up. Because if I didn't, I would forget. And I would be a bad dad. I don't want to be a bad dad. Or I don't want to be a good dad. I want to be a dad that doesn't forget his children. So... So I'd make a note to self. I'd set an alarm. And that's kind of what this is about. We want to set some alarms that remind you of stuff. Because, you know, it's not that I'm a bad dad. It's just that I forget. We get busy. We get busy. Life's busy. Sometimes when we're busy, we forget stuff. And we need to be reminded of stuff that's important. And that's what we're doing in this series. And on that note of reminding you of stuff that's important, we're actually doing a back-to-school drive right now. Uh, You've probably seen our stuff out in the lobby there. But what we're wanting to do is there's some, some schools in our community that are a little bit—they're uh, they're facing some challenges. You know, this year is an interesting school year, but beyond that, there's there's schools in our community, in our city that are uh, that are struggling right now, and there's kids that don't have the stuff they need to go to school with, and you know that's embarrassing, that's hard for them. And so we want to help out with that. So if you go out there, we've got these cards out there. And and on each one of them, like for for example, on this one, uh, it says Clorox disinfecting wipes, wide-ruled notebook paper, five single-subject wide-ruled spirals. This is under $10 worth of stuff. And that's what most of these are. But these represent actual kids' needs in these schools. So I want you to go out there today before you leave, grab some of these, and then get this stuff, and then bring it back next week. Those who are blessed are blessed so we can be a blessing, amen? So if you're blessed, then let's be a blessing. Let's help some people out who maybe don't have it as good as as our kids do or or other people do. Amen. Amen. All right. If you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter two. And I want to talk to you today on the subject of note to self, I need help. I need help. And as as I say that this morning, I'm not talking about I need help, although I do. In fact, I I need your help today. I need you to be talking to me today as I preach. Uh, You know, something happened when we moved into this building. I'm gonna let you know about something, okay? Something I've noticed. Second service has gotten a little chill. What's up with that? Like, you guys used to be like, second service was like, boom, it was happening. Like, you guys are ready to run around the room, and now you're all like, that's a good point, Pastor. (laughs) Oh, that's, I'm gonna write a note here, yes. Remember that later. No, 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 don't do that. I need you to be like, that's good. Come on, yeah. Judy. What do we say? Tell us. You, preach it. you there? You go. Tell me to help you. I will. Yeah. And I'll be. I'll probably be quicker if you talk to me a little bit. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe not. I don't know. I need help. You need help. Amen. Amen. Say this like you mean it this morning. Okay. Like tonight, worship night. You're expecting God to show up in your life. I want you to say say this like that. Like you're thinking that way. Say this. Say no to self. No to self. I need help. I need. There you go. That's good. All right. Keep that energy. I know what I got is going to be good. It's from God. It's, this is from Jesus. I got a hot message for you this morning. It's going to be good. So don't get caught up in that and get on. No, 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 no. Stay with me. Okay. No, just self. I need help. We need help, right? In life, you need help. And I, and I know, you know, sometimes when we're in a valley, we know we need help. When life is pressing down, we're struggling, things aren't good. We know we need some help there. But sometimes when we're on the ascent, we lose track of that a little bit. Sometimes when we get to the top of the mountain, we we think we got it figured out. Now we don't need as much help. But I want you to know, wherever you find yourself today, you need help. And God has help for you in the form of himself, but also in the form of relationships that he's called to walk alongside of you to help you through life. That's how God designed you to need other people. I need help. You need help. We're going to look at today what kind of help you really need you really need. In Genesis chapter two, God is creating the world. This is the in the beginning story. Genesis chapter two, God's creating. And you know, if you know the, the story, every time he creates, at the end of the day, he assesses his work. He looks at what he's done and he says, it is good. So he creates, he creates light and he says, it's good. He creates the atmosphere and he says, it's good. He creates the land and the water and he looks at it and he says, it's good. He creates vegetation, trees and bushes and grass. And he says it's good. I got some trees and bushes and grass in my house. And sometimes it ain't so good. It gets a little rough. But I got to go back out there and I got to work that land because a curse happened. Now things aren't as good. But we can get it good again, right? (laughs) He creates the animals, birds, donkeys, you know, animals. looks at them. He says it's good. And then he creates man. He creates a human. And he says this in Genesis 2 verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good. First time that's ever been said, ever. God says it's not good. What's not good? Here it is, that man should be alone. That man should be alone. It's not good that man should be alone. Now, think about this, okay? Because I want you to wrap your brain around this this morning. Adam is in a perfect place. Everything God has created that he is in the environment of, God has said it's good and Adam's there. There's no sin in the world at this point. So Adam has a perfect connection with God. And yet God looks at that. This isn't Adam, this isn't Adam going, this isn't good. Adam's not going, "Hey God, this ain't good. I don't like this." God's the one saying this. This is God's observation of his creation. And he says it's not good. That man is alone. Now you could argue man's not alone, right? He's got some animals around him, you know? But we all know like we know it's not good to have just a relationship with animals and animals alone. Like, you know that, right? <laughs> You're getting quiet on me, getting a little nervous. Like, we know. We've seen the crazy cat lady. We've heard of her. She exists. We know. That ain't good. Me and Sarah watched a documentary a couple of weeks ago. We actually rewatched it called Grizzly Man about this guy who would go out and live for months at a time with grizzly bears, it was not good. He he's dead. He got eight, but beyond that, there's videos of this guy talking, and he is out of his mind because it ain't good to be alone. It's not good to be alone. So God designed us to be connected. And, and when you're alone, it's, it's, it's not good and it can get dangerous. In fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 18.1. It says, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. When you isolate yourself, get this. God says you, 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 you seek your own desire. So here's what happens. You begin to isolate yourself and you become really focused on you and you get selfish. And So here's what happens. The loudest voice in your mind becomes the voice of selfishness that speaks to your flesh. And let me just tell you, the voice of selfishness that wants to speak to your flesh is the enemy's voice. And he wants to come and he wants to tell you, you don't need anybody else. No one else sees this the way you see it. No one else gets it. He wants to, you, we, you see this with crazy people that isolate themselves. They get crazier and crazier, and they begin to think that all of the world doesn't see things the right way. Only they see things the right way. And we go, well, we'd never be that. But yet we isolate ourselves from godly relationships that God wants us to have, and it, and it puts us in a state of, of, of craziness where we're not really experiencing all that God wants us to experience. Right. Now, sometimes isolation's okay for a season, for a short term, you know, get away with God and connect with him in prayer and in the word, let him speak with you. But listen, Jesus did not die on the cross so you could be separated from the world that needs him. Jesus died on the cross so that you could become like him. And the Christ in you, the hope of glory, would be shown to the world so that people could be touched and delivered and set free. And God wants to minister to you and through you to the world. So, so you need people. You say, well, I got Jesus. I got God. That's all I need. Well, not according to God. God said it's not good. Some of you, you, you don't like where I'm going with this you don't really like, you're not feeling this this morning. God said this, get this. God said this, having a relationship with him and him alone is not good. That's not, that's not my word. That's God's word. God said, having a relationship with him and him alone, you're alone. He says, you're, 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 it's not good. You're alone. Wow. Right. So so you can't make this argument. I I got Jesus, that's all I need. No, God says you need other people in your life. You need other relationships. Just you and God is not good, it's not enough. And that's not my word, that's the word of the Lord. So what does God do? He looks at the problem, he assesses the problem, he sees the problem, and then because he's God and he's love and he's good, he addresses the problem. He fixes the problem. Look at what he does. He says, I will make him and help comparable for him and help me comparable for him. That, that actually uh, is the word ezin kenedgo. It means this. It means a helper appropriate and worthy for corresponding in form and function with him. Well, let me simplify that so you get what that really means. Here's what God does. He, God says, I'm gonna create someone to be in His life. in his life that is help made for him. Yeah. God looks at man connected to him in a pretty good place and says it's still not enough. He needs help. So I'm going to create a relationship for him that is help made specifically for him. And I want you to know that God is still in the business of creating relationships for our life that are help made for you and I. There are people that God has set in this world and created that you are supposed to walk hand in hand with through life that are help made for you, that through them and through a godly connection with them, a kingdom relationship with them, you can build the kingdom of God here on earth. Because listen, the kingdom, you don't need to establish the kingdom in heaven. It's established. The kingdom of God needs to be established here on earth. And God wants you to walk with some people that will help you establish that kingdom in your life, in their life, and walk in the purpose God has for you. Can I get an amen? God has this for you but you need these relationships. All right. So, so get this. Here's, here's something. If you're taking notes, jot this down this morning. Significant people have significant relationships. Your destiny is going to be tied to the relationships or lack thereof that you have. And if you want to do something significant, and I believe God has something significant for every one of you, then you're going to need some significant relationships that you can partner with, with human people. That God has ordained to be with you, help made for you, that are gonna help you walk in the significance of God. Think about the Bible. Think about some different people in the Bible, some of the great characters, the significant characters of the Bible. Most of them had significant relationships, they had a connection to somebody else that was walking with them, helping them in their life. I think about Abraham and Lot, I think of David and Jonathan, Elisha and Elijah, Naomi and Ruth, Paul and Timothy. We see it over and over again in Scripture. Significant characters in Scripture had significant relationships in their life. I think about Moses. You know Moses? You know, we tend to think of Moses, sometimes we think of Moses as this great, incredible man of God. The guy that stood before Pharaoh and said, let God's people go. Pretty impressive. Willing to go before the most powerful kingdom in the world, the most powerful man, and say, let God's people go. Wow, that's pretty impressive. We think of, of, of him standing in faith as the Red Sea parted. We think of Moses there, but we forget where Moses began. Right. Yeah. When God first came to Moses with this significant call, Moses was in a rough spot. God shows up in Exodus chapter four, if you want to turn there, and, and he, he shows up to Moses in the form of a burning bush. A burning bush, okay, the bush is burning, but the bush ain't burning. I don't know how God did that, you know, but it was dope, So the bush is burning, but it's not burning. And then God starts speaking through the bush. Moses is out like tending the flock, and this is going down. Like, this is an interesting day. And God says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And then God begins to tell him, I've heard the cries of my people, and it's time. And I'm going to use you. You're going to be used to help set these people free. And, And so think about this situation. Burning bush, not burning God's speaking. You took off your shoes. You're listening. And so you're thinking, man, this is amazing. And Moses' response is, I think you got the wrong guy. And so God shows up some more and starts speaking to him some more. And the next thing God says is so important. And you need to recognize this is what God says to you today. God says, the next thing he says is, I'm going to go with you Like I'm not, like sometimes I think we think that God calls us to stuff and then he stands back at a distance and is like watching to kind of see how it goes down. Like when we were in junior high and that girl was cute, you know, and you want to ask her out. And so you go up to your friend, Nathan, and you're like, Hey, Nathan, go tell Missy that, you know, see what's going down. See if she's interested because I'm interested. And so we stand on the other end of the playground and he's over there talking to her and she's looking and we're like putting out the vibe, you know. I'm not going to go Nacho Libre on me. Don't worry about it. That would be really inappropriate, wouldn't it? But we're waiting. And we think that's what God's doing. God's like, hey, you go do this. And I'll just see how it goes. No, no, God's going, I'm, I'm going to be with you in this. I'm going to be in the middle of this with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. I got you. And then, and then God says, let me, let me show you. He says, take that staff and throw it down on the ground. So Moses takes the staff and he throws it down on the ground and it turns into a snake. Yeah. That doesn't happen all the time, you know? When I was in uh, ninth grade, I went to a little private Christian school and I had this teacher named Miss Tinkle. Everybody say Ms. Tinkle. Tinkle. <laughs> she was my art teacher and she, she loved me and I had her wrapped around my finger and uh, if I could get her laughing, I could get away with murder. And so one day I was late for class. I don't know what I was doing, but I was late. And so I had this idea. I was like, okay, I found this stick. And so I thought, I'll just come in. and I'll throw the stick down and act like it's like a Moses moment. And so I came into class and I threw it down. And she was looking at me and looking at me. I was like, I was trying to do a miracle, Miss Tinkle. thought it would turn into a serpent. And she started laughing. And she was like, go sit down. And she, I got in no trouble at all. It worked. Miss Tinkle. Miss Tinkle. I had another teacher named Miss Hooter. Do you guys have any crazy teacher names? Miss Hooter. What's crazy is her name was spelled H U T T E R. So you could say Hutter. And if you said Miss Hutter, if you were like Miss Hutter, she would go, It's Miss Hooter. Like she would always correct you. I am totally off my notes here. He throws this sort of the. the turns into a serpent. He picks it back up and it turns back into a staff. This is, this is a miracle. This isn't you know, getting out of art class stuff. Then God says, put your hand in your cloak. He puts his hand in his cloak. He pulls it out. He's got leprosy all over his hand. Puts it back in, but takes it back out, and he's totally healed. So God is like, the bush is burning. I mean, amazing stuff is happening, right? God is showing up, showing out, showing off and so look at this. I want, you to, I want you to see his response. Exodus 4, verse 13. But Moses said, this is his response. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> now think about that. I, I, I read that this week and it just kind of hit me. Man, he must have been in a tough spot. Yeah. To see God doing all of that and to still think, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. See, Moses had a stutter. And Moses thought his stutter was too big for God to overcome. Yeah. He had a problem. And even though God was saying, I'm, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to do incredible things, Moses couldn't get over his inadequacy. So this is for somebody here today. Yeah. Maybe you got an inadequacy, you've got a problem, you've got a sin. God can, God can help you. Yeah, he can, he can right. move God through can. that. Yeah. He can move past that. He can help you get over that and walk in the fullness of your life. But I want you to notice, look at what God does. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, check this out. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. Now look at this. He is already on his way to meet you. He's already on his way. See, God knew. God knew he was gonna lay all this out and Moses was still gonna have a problem. So what did he do? He had help made for Moses in the form of a relationship that would come alongside him, that would help him in his weakness, in his inadequacy, so he could step into what God had for him. And you know what I love about the story of Moses is after this happens, you see at the beginning, as, as Moses first starts doing what he's doing to set the people free with God's power, you see that Aaron is very involved in his communication. But as time progresses, you see Moses starts addressing the Pharaoh. You see Moses starts addressing the people. There's a confidence and a strength that's built in him, that is built in him through a relationship, through help that was made for him. Some of you, you got an inadequacy, you got a problem, you got a sin, you got an issue, and there's a relationship that God is calling to your life Early on, it may have to be the thing that you totally lean into, but eventually God's going to use that relationship to bring the healing to you and the the energy and the strength and the confidence to you to fully walk in what God has for you. I'm preaching good this morning. So God wants to help you. He's got these relationships for you. Significant people need significant relationships. And I want you to know God's not like frustrated with the fact that you need help. He's not. God doesn't look at you and think, man, I wish they'd just walk in faith. No, God's looking at you if you're trying to walk alone and saying, man, I wish they wouldn't walk in stupidity outside of the design. I made them to be connected. I made them to need other people. You need to walk in the relationship. You know Jesus needed people. Jesus didn't walk alone. Now think about this. If anybody had an excuse (laughs) to say, like, I don't need these people... Think about like Jesus. If anyone could have ever said, "They just don't get me," it was Jesus. They're just not at my level. He could have said that, and he would have been totally right. You say that, you're wrong. <laughs> but Jesus could have been right, but he didn't say that. He didn't walk alone. He didn't separate himself. He had people around him. He had relationships. And he had tiers of relationships. He had he had the, the big group, he had the twelve, and he had the three. And he and he had him because he needed him. Because see, when God came to this world in the form of Je- when Jesus came in the form of a of a man, he needed human relationship. He came under what a man would need in life, That's good. That's right. and so he he related to other people. He needed relationships. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I watch Jesus and I'm looking at him going. These people aren't helping him. They were helping him. You know how they were helping him? They were present. Yeah, that's good. You know, sometimes we just need people to be present. Yeah, yeah. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's he's going to the, he's going, he, at the Garden of Gethsemane, he is hours away from the cross. And he knows what's ahead of him. He knows what he's gonna go through. He knows he's gonna be spit on, mocked. He knows that they're going to whip him with a thing called the cat of nine tails that has these leather whips with at the end of each strand was was bone and glass that was designed to not just leave a mark, but to rip the flesh from his back, to expose nerve endings that would be excruciating. He knew he was going to be spit on, punched, have his beard ripped out. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross where he was going to bleed out and suffocate, and as he's doing this, he also knows that the weight of all of the world's sin is gonna be placed on him, that all of the weight of all sickness and disease was gonna be placed on him. All the shame related to the worst sins that have ever been committed are gonna be in his memory bank to the point that the Bible says his visage is marred beyond all recognition. In other words, he didn't even look like a human because of all of the weight of sin and sickness, tumors, every ugly thing was placed on him in that moment. He hung there until he died. He knows that that's coming. We know that he knows that's coming because he's under such pressure. He's sweating to the point that he begins to sweat blood. This is ahead of Jesus. And as he's getting ready to go there, I want you to look at this. Matthew 26, verse 36. It says, Then Jesus came with them, this is his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane, and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. So notice, he invited three guys to go with him as he moves into this place of distress and sorrow and pain. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved. That's the understatement of all time. To the point of death, remain here and keep watch with me. And if you know the story, they did a terrible job. They kept falling asleep. They didn't have any clue what was really getting ready to go down. They were clueless. But I I was thinking about this this week and looking at this verse, and I just thought, you know, even if they would have been really into the moment, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, let's say that they were sitting there rubbing his shoulders saying, Jesus, you got this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be terrible, but you got this. That ain't going to change anything. Jesus has to go to the cross. Revelation says that it was preordained that Jesus would go to the cross before the foundation of the world. Before this world was even created, guess what? Jesus was going to the cross for you and for me. Yes. It was gonna happen. So why did Jesus want them there? Here's why. He just wanted people to be present. Yeah. Wow. That's right. you know, sometimes there's moments in our life when we're hurting, and really, the people you're in relationship with can't fix it, yeah. but they can be present. Yeah. And Sometimes that presence is enough. Once you see Jesus needed help, I need help. You need help. We all need help. So, what does this help look like? Do we just need anybody? No, no, it's not anybody. No, John Lennon said it. Help! I need somebody, not just anybody, not just anybody. You don't just need anybody in your life. I think sometimes I think, I, I, especially with young people, I'll see it. It's like they kind of treat their life like they're trying to figure, figure out if the spaghetti's ready. I'll just throw the weight of my life up against other people and see if it sticks. No, no, no. Like, you don't just need anybody. You need, you need the right people. In fact, look at this. Genesis 2.18, go back to it. It says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet comparable for him. That word comparable there means one who is a helping Counterpart a helping counterpart. A counterpart is a part that is similar. Get this, this is big. Similar, but opposes to bring balance. Similar, but opposes to bring balance. You, maybe you've seen a counterweight before, a little scale, and there's something on one side that's weighing it down, and so you put counterweight, counter, to, to bring counterbalance to bring things into balance, right? Or maybe you remember being a kid and playing on the playground. You get on the seesaw or you get on the teeter-totter, right? Yep. And you get on there and you sit down, And if you just sit there without anyone on the other end, you don't do anything. It just sits there, stuck. What you need is someone similar in weight that can bring some opposition that will bring balance so that that thing gets lifted. Some of you are going through life and, and you feel like you've got this, this thing God's called you to. You feel like there's a significance in the calling and you feel, but you feel like you just can't quite get off the ground. Like this thing just doesn't seem to be moving forward like I want to. And maybe it's because you don't have the holy opposition that you need in your life to bring balance to you to help you to walk in the fullness of life God's called you to. You need some people in your life. You need some healthy, godly opposition. So what does that look like? Well, first of all, here's the first thing. In in these relationships where you need help and we all need help, everybody say note to self. self. I need help. help. Where, Where we need help in those kind of relationships, number one, they need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You need someone that is similar to you, right? Now, I'm not saying you can't have relationships with people who aren't Christians. You can, you need to. In fact, remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The world needs to see you. People around you, they need to see you. But remember, we're not talking about just any relationships. We're talking about the I need help relationships. We're talking about kingdom building relationships where you say, well, Pastor Josh, you said I need some opposition. Who better to oppose me than a non-believer? Yes, but the opposition is designed to help you build the kingdom of God, not to pull you away from the kingdom of God. Okay, so you need a believer that you can walk with. Amos 3.3 3 says this. It says, can two people walk together except they agree on the direction? The answer is no. No, you can't. If me and Sarah walk out of my neighborhood and we say, we're gonna walk together and I'm going this way and you're going that way, we are not walking together in agreement, are we? No. Okay, that's real simple. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, we're we talking about being unequally yoked. We're not talking about having a friend who's really buff and you're not. We're not talking about eggs here. The Bible here is talking about a yoke, like what was used for a yoke of oxen. What they would do is they would take these two oxen and they would yoke them together with this big wooden thing that would go around them. And, and, and they would attach that to a wagon or a plow or some kind of burden. And then those oxen would pull that together. They'd pull the burden together. Now, an unequally yoked group of oxen would have one oxen that was stronger than the other. And so here's what would happen. If one oxen is stronger than the other, the stronger oxen is gonna pull harder and the weaker oxen who's not pulling as hard is going to be pulling them in this direction. So guess which direction you're going? You're going in the direction... Of the weaker oxen. Some of you believed a lie. I can change him. Note to self. You need help. You ain't changing him. What's gonna happen? He's gonna change you. You're gonna find all of a sudden you're not you're not heading towards the mark of the high call of Christ Jesus. You're being pulled this way, and you know where you're gonna go? You're gonna go in circles. Round and around. Because you know what? You hitched yourself to a dead ox. If you're a Christian, you're alive in Christ Jesus. Those who aren't saved are dead in their sins. You're especially going to be, some of you dragging a dead ox around with you. (laughs) I will. Some of you need to unhitch your wagon you're dragging around dead things. You need someone like you that can help you pull this thing. You need to come into alignment, into agreement. So they need to be a Christian. You need someone who believes. They don't have to be perfect because no one is, but they need to be in faith. They need to be someone who knows the word, someone who you you can agree with. Here's the second thing you need to recognize. Not every Christian needs to be your bestie. Just, and listen, please hear me. Just because they come to New Song Church doesn't mean they can help you with every problem you have. You say, well, Pastor Josh, you should see them worship. They, they worship, they get it in worship. That's great. They may be getting it because they were not getting it this week and they know they need to get it right now. You know, here's the thing. We can have a lot of friends. You really can, but not everybody needs to be in your, your core group. Jesus didn't model that. And you ain't Jesus. Jesus had the 12, but he had the three. The three he shared his guts with. He went to places with them. He didn't go with everybody else. Why? Because he knew they could handle it. So, so here's a truth for you. If you take taking notes, jot this down. Not everyone can handle all of you, so not everyone deserves all of you. Now, you say, that sounds kind of arrogant, Pastor Josh. Well, let me try to illustrate this for you, okay? This is my daughter, Sunny. Sunny June is six years old, and you can do, you can do it. You can go, oh, Aw, right? Because she's cute, right? And she's our third, and she's like, never gets in trouble. And my kids think that it's because we favor her. It's not. It's just she's always good. She's just the sweetest little thing. She's blonde, blue-eyed. She's got freckles. You can't see it, but they're Freckles. ridiculous. And her love language is is physical touch. So like, you know, if you tell her you love her, she's not just going to be like, I love you too. She's going to like come up to you and hug you. If she's sitting on the couch and you reach out your hand to hold her little hand, she won't just like hold your hand. She'll move over close to you and wrap her arms. I mean, she's just, I'm done. So, but here's the thing. I love her. But I, I don't I don't walk up to her and hand her the keys to the car and say, Hey, I need you to drive me to work today. Cause she can't handle that. As much as I love her, as much as she's a part of my life, she doesn't have that ability. She can't touch the pedals and see see over the steering wheel. The dexterity is not there. Motor skills not there. Knowing the laws of how to drive a car does not exist. So if I hand her the keys and I put myself in a car with her and ask her to drive me somewhere that she's not ready to take me, I promise you this, we're going to end up on the side of the road. The question is not, are we going to end up on the side of the road? The question is, how bad is the wreck going to be? And as I was praying this week and thinking about you guys, I felt like the Lord gave me this word for some of you. You need to hear this. Some of you have handed the keys of your life over to someone who has no business driving you around and you keep finding yourself in wrecks, you keep finding yourself in accidents, or you know you're heading towards one, and it's gonna be a bad crash unless you choose to change some things. You need the right people in your life. Not everyone can handle all of you, so not everyone deserves all of you. But there are some people that God has ordained to be help made specifically for you that you're gonna be able to walk in relationship with them, and they're gonna be, it's gonna be significant. They're gonna change your life. I love this quote I read this week from a guy named Dr. Les Perot. He said, there will be strong and unfriendly winds that will make a mess of our lives. On those blustery days, the kindness, prayers, and simple but profound ministry of the presence of dear friends will be an anchor to our unraveling, the rescue to our storms. You know, I've got some significant relationships in my life, and I'm still working on being better about partnering with these relationships. But they're so important. There's some people, not everybody, but there's some people in my life that they get to see my guts. They get to see the ugly. They get to see the stuff that not everybody gets to see. They see me in my worst and my best. And their, their role in my life is so important. So important. So, so what are we looking for in these kind of relationships? It's great for me to tell you, you need some good friends, but, but let's talk, let's get real. Like, how do we find them? What are we looking for? What's, what's the protocol, okay? So I want to help you identify these types of friends. I got five points for you as we close this out. On the five, These are the five things, I believe, and this isn't all-encompassing, but these are five important things I think you need to be looking for in relationships that are going to help you. And by the way, as I talk about these, I'm not just talking about, like, this is not you just going, okay, we'll see if these people meet my criteria. This is also like goals. Like this is what you should be going, okay, I'm looking for this and I'm working towards this myself. This is who I need to become. So here's the first one. Do they make you better? Do they make you better? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so a good friend sharpens a friend. You need friendships in your life, relationships. I need help. You need help. We need people in our life that when we spend time with them, we walk away going, I could do better. You need some people in your life, men, that you walk away from them and you say, I can be a better father. Their example in my life makes me want to get better. I, I could be a better mother. I could be a better student. I could be a better son or daughter. I, I, I hang out with them. I see the way they treat their parents, and I, I need to get my act together. I need to do better. I could be a better student. I could be, I could be better. Do you have friends like that, or do you have friends that when you, you walk away from them, you go, man? I don't like who I become around them. I've had some of those. I've, I've, I've had relationships where, especially I remember when I first started really pursuing God and wanting to change some stuff about myself that I knew wasn't God's highest and best. I would, I would go hang out with this particular group of people and I would, I would get in my car after the fact and I would feel like, man, I don't like who I become around them. I get sarcastic and I get judgmental and I get, I just, I don't like that so I had to decide. And, and I didn't you know, go to all of them and say, get thee be, be behind me, Satan. Like, I, that's not, I just, I just made the decision that I was going to start to distance myself from them. And, and, or, or when I was around them, I was gonna really work hard and stay focused on being who God created me to be and not drifting into that old way so maybe I could bring them up to a new level. But, but my point is this, do you have some people in your life that make you better, that sharpen you, They don't dull your edge. They make you sharper. They make you better. You need some friends like that. Here's number two. Are your friends honest with you? Do you have some people in your life that can be honest with you? Proverbs uh, 27 verse six says this. It says, faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, when it talks about wounds here, it's not talking about like, you know, somebody lopping your arm off. That word wounds there means like a slight bruise. It's not off with their heads. It's not, you know, they, they, they come to you and they cut you so deep it takes you forever to heal. This is talking about people who are willing to come beside you and will forcefully shove you in the right direction sometimes oh, yeah. and hit you with enough force that you go, ooh, that, that kind of, I felt that, but, but I needed that. Right. Like you need people who will come up to you sometimes and go, hey, quit doing that. What are you doing? Quit acting like that. You're being a baby. Quit posting that. You know how negative you sound on Facebook all the time? You need some people like that in your life. I don't know about you, but I'm not just looking for endorsements. I'm looking for honesty. If you're looking for endorsements, I don't need people just telling me I'm great. I need people coming up to me and telling me where I'm not so great, where I need to work and where I need to get better. I need some people in my life that have permission to tell me no, and I will listen. Do you have people like that in your life? You got people that can tell you no? You say, oh, Pastor Josh, I'm a a big boy. I don't need people telling me no, I'm a big girl. Not a good look, is it? And by the way, if you've reached a point in your life where no one can tell you no, you've reached a very dangerous place. You need some people who can bring some opposition to you, holy opposition. Godly opposition to bring balance to your life because you're going to get out of balance. You're going to get out of alignment. You're going to be driving on the road wobbling. You need somebody to help you get stuff straightened out and aligned. Are they honest with you? Will they tell you the truth? Speak it in love, but speak the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. Number three, can you trust them with your ugly? I'm not talking about when you wake up in the morning, you ain't looking so good. I'm talking about the ugly parts of your life. You got some people in your life that you can go to them and say, I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with anger. I'm drinking too much. I'm, I'm, I'm spending too much time with this girl at the office. You got some people like that? Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. So that means that when you go tell them that, they're going to go, okay, stop it. Because that's love. Love isn't an endorsement stop it, but I'm here to help. Let's do this. Let's change some stuff. Let's fix this. Let's get honest. Let's get real. Let's change some things. You say, well, I, you know, I, I've got some people, but I'm afraid. What if I tell them and they start talking, you know, telling other people and they gossip? Well, that's really easy. Gossip, the gossip thing is super easy. Just so you know, here's how you know if someone gossips. If they gossip to you about other people, <laughs> then guess what? They gossip about you to other people. <laughs> That's real easy. And if they're doing that, you need to be a good friend and tell them, hey, shut up. Stop doing that. And you say, well, what if they don't want to be my friend anymore? Good. That's not a helpful relationship. You want you, We want iron sharpening iron, godly, good relationships. You need people in your life. You can go to them and you can be real. And guys, I know it's hard. I know sometimes it's hard. but But recognize today, if you're not talking to somebody else you're hiding and hiding is not a strong place like you think you're being strong trying to carry this on yourself you're not you're being strong when you're willing to go i need help and i'm calling on you and i'm calling on the name of the lord to be saved i need your help can you trust them with your ugly here's number four do they point you to god Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right. It's through Jesus, it's through God that we get the help we really need. Right. Yeah. And you need people who aren't pointing you to themselves. You need people who are pointing you to Jesus. Yeah, There's right. you know, something I've noticed about people is people people like to help, but sometimes if we're not careful, We can drift into this place where we we like to help and we like being needed. And it can get unhealthy where we become, we want to be the source of your help. We want to make ourselves into your savior and your hero. We had a lady like this in our church. And we found that she was always inserting herself into the problems of the church. Every time there was an issue, she was right at the center of it. And then we started learning stuff that she was, she, she considered herself to be an expert in kind of human behavior and what was going on with people. And so she would insert herself into these problems and she would start telling people like stuff like, you know what, you need to just talk to me about this. You don't need to talk to anybody else. She, there were times that we, as, as the pastors would tell her, would tell people stuff and she would go against us and say, you, they don't really understand it like I do. Don't listen to what they're saying. And she would separate people from the church and from the things of God and pull them in another direction. Not good. Listen, I want you to know something. As your pastor, and if I'm your friend, like we're close friends, you know, I'm not trying to be your hero. Jesus did a really good job of being your hero. My job as a friend, my job as a pastor is to point you to the hero, is to point you to the work of Jesus Christ, is to point you to his word, which is life to those who find it and health to their flesh. It's to point you to the, the partner of the Holy Spirit who wants to help you and walk with you in life and empower you for God and for the purposes and for the fruit of the Spirit and to point you to the bride of Christ, this church, and to relationships that are designed to be help made for you. I'm not trying to be the hero. I'm trying to get you to the hero. And what you need is you need friends who say, you need Jesus. Here's what the word says. And I get it. Sometimes you don't want to hear it, but get over it. You know, sometimes you're talking to somebody and they throw the word at you and it's like, I don't want to hear the word right now. Well, okay. What do you want? Like, just so you know, I'm going to point you to the word every time. Because that's that's, that's the only thing that's going to help you. Okay, number five. Would they be there? Would they be there? In the in those dark moments, in those painful moments, in those hurtful moments, would they be there? I, I love what it goes on to say in Proverbs 17, 17. It says at the beginning, it says, A friend loves at all times, and then it says, A brother is born for adversity. A brother's even different than a friend, isn't it? A brother is blood. A brother is someone who's Going to be there, and in the adversity of life, you need some brothers. You need some people that are going to be there. They'd show up. They'd show up at the at the gravesite. They'd show up in your living room if you're hurting and broken. They, you need some people like that. You know, we we got a lot of people around us that'll show up when things are good. Yep. I've seen enough sports documentaries to see these athletes who when they're rich and loaded and everything's great, there's a bunch of people around them. They got this awesome entourage. But then they talk about how when they lost everything, there was nobody there. Who's, who would still be there? That's a good friend. Yeah. That's a godly friend. That's a kingdom friend. That's a kingdom relationship. And if you find those kind of people, if you find somebody who makes you better, they're honest, they're trustworthy, they point you to God and they would be there in your dark moments, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to schedule some time with them. Because life is busy. Note to self, life gets busy. We get so busy, we miss out on stuff. And you know, I, I'm, I'm learning this. I'm, even recently, I, I started realizing like I've got people in my life, like my dad. My dad has been a Christian for 50-something years, been in ministry for years, knows the word of God, loves me, he's all five of these things, and then some, and I'm, I'm barely spending any time with him. Because I'm pastoring a church. I'm building a building. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm, I'm busy. What am I doing? So, so just recently, I set it up on Wednesdays. I, I have breakfast with my dad. I schedule. It's on my schedule. Every week, I'm going to have breakfast with him. And I'm going to share my heart. And I'm going to listen. Because I need that. And you need that, too. Some of you, you there's people in your life that you need to go, okay, i got to get you on the schedule more often. We got to grab coffee. We got to go play around at golf. We got to go get some breakfast together. We got—I got to make room for this because this is important and I need it. We all need it. So good. Schedule that time. And then let me let me say this too: If you're sitting here today and you're going, "I don't I don't have anybody like that," I'm sitting here thinking, "I don't, I don't have anybody." Well, I got good news for you. Welcome to New Song Church. <laughs> that's why we're here. Yeah. We want to connect you with people, and that's why we we talk about get in a group. Get on a serve team. Not because I'm trying to pad the numbers and, you know, just make things look better around here. It's because you need help. I need help. And it's in these relationships we're connected with people that we step into these deeper places where we can experience and find the relationships we need to have. Yeah. I, I read this stat recently. It said this it said that. Uh, It said that uh, they surveyed Christian members in churches and they discovered that in the average church, only 50% of people said they had significant relationships. Now remember, if you're going to, you have a significant call, you need significant relationships, right? But of people who are in a small group, it says 90% would say they had significant relationships. So, so if I brought up 10 people on the stage here this morning, which there's a water bottle up here, that's not good. It's not supposed to be up here. Anyway, 10 people up here on the stage and then none of them are in a small group. Five of them would say they had significant relationships. I put 10 people up here and they're in a small group. Nine out of 10 would say that. So so what does that tell me? You want significant relationships? Get in a small group. You can go out in the lobby today and you can sign up. We got people out there ready to connect you, get into a semester of small groups with us. It doesn't mean you're committing your life, but I believe that God's gonna lead you to the right group and connect you with the right people so that you can find help that was made for you you need help, I need help, we all need help. Yeah. Somebody say, note to self, note to self. I, need I need help. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Maybe, maybe you're thinking about some relationships in your life that you need to, you need to settle and recognize they're not good and they're not, they're not pushing you towards the high call of God. They're pulling you away. Maybe you're dragging around somebody dead, or maybe someone is pulling you in a direction away from your important relationships. If that's the case, I encourage you to obey God and do what He's asking you to do. Maybe you're here today and you go, "I need some people." You know one of the things I love about our church; that's so good, is that we're not just a young church. I love that. I hope you know. Like, I, I, church is supposed to be a family, and in a family, it's not just a bunch of young people; it's all generations one of the great things about generations is there are generations that have gone before us that are wise and there are people in our church that are wise they've been married longer than you some of you are struggling with some stuff that you talk to them and they'd be like do this and it would fix it you need to chase after some of these relationships you need to be open to what God's saying not, not, not just because people are old doesn't mean they got all the answers, but there, I do believe there's some help made for you and some fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in, in this church that you're supposed to connect with. You need to connect in these relationships. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Lord, we love you today and we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you, Lord, that you, you are fine with us needing help. You're fine with us needing other people. And so, Lord, we, we, we say today, we recognize today how important these relationships are to our life. And I pray that you would help our church. Lord, I know you wouldn't lay this message on my heart without making a plan and a way so that we can connect with the people we need to connect with. So, Lord, I, I thank you for these divine connections that are gonna take place. Lord, I thank you that people are gonna meet people that you've designed for them to walk hand in hand in life with. Thank you, Jesus, for aligning that. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to every person. Help us to see people like we've never seen them before. Help us to be drawn together in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you for it. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you know today that, that you're not right with God. You're not where you should be. You've never stepped into that significant relationship, so significant that brings you from death to life. If that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Maybe you're here and you've been close to God before, but you know you've drifted and you know today you're, you're not where you should be and you need to get right. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray a prayer and I just want you to repeat this prayer after me in New Song Church, since we all agree with this prayer. Let's say this together. Say, Father God, Father God thank, you for Jesus. thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son, you sending your to, son. Die to die on the cross for my sins. For my sins. I confess and I've sinned, and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life through him. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for making a way. I give you my life. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.